Bear Down Bears fans, Chicago Bears podcast, Pat the Designer, Courtney Cronin, back at it again. Gotta sit here and uh, get our eye on the enemy episode in. We will be uh, talking about where the Chicago Bears team is health-wise heading into this game. And speaking with Chris Rim, ESPN uh, Los Angeles Chargers report almost says San Diego. San Diego still <laughs> engraved in my brain. Yeah, I've, I've I made that, that mistake. Less than Vegas. I, I've made that mistake so many times over the last few years, and that team moved to Los Angeles well before the Raiders moved to Vegas. So, no, you're not alone in that. I've definitely made that same mistake. I, I do that so much less <laughs> than I do the Vegas Raiders because I feel like Vegas Raiders flows so well. Like mm-hmm. Los Angeles Chargers just feels wrong to me, even to this day, and maybe to most of their fan base, which is why we yeah. get the plant. But, uh, Courtney, how are you doing today? Good to uh, have you back on here. Uh, any Anything interesting happening up at Alice today? Yeah, so we're about to go out to practice in a little bit, and we'll get a chance to see – you know, some of the players we're keeping an eye on is Roshan Johnson closer to getting cleared from concussion protocol. Same thing with uh, Braxton Jones coming off injured reserve. So we know that he was designated to return to practice Wednesday. You're not typically going to do that for a player, especially a starter. You don't expect to start that weekend. So how that factors in could uh, affect the offensive line. Like we know that Darnell Wright right now has a shoulder injury. So him not practicing on Wednesday, going to keep an eye on what he, what else he's able to do this week. He also has a toe injury. That one was new. I believe that that one came from the game. But if like this will end up creating another domino effect. So if Braxton Jones is activated and can play, can go back to left tackle, then does Larry Borum, if Darnell Wright can't play, will he go back to right tackle? And that seems like the obvious fit there. But when we were talking with Luke Getze, I mean, even the question of Tevin Jenkins came up. Now, I think that that's probably not something that they're going to entertain, at least at this point, because they need yeah. Tevin Jenkins to play right guard while Nate Davis is out. And who knows? Maybe they they think about that in a couple of days. But a lot of moving pieces to keep an eye on that we probably won't have an answer on truly until we see who gets taken off injured reserve concussion protocol. They're not going to announce it. Uh, you'll just know, but like, that's like that, this sort of stuff comes down on Saturday. So still got a little ways to go. Yeah. It, the, the Braxton Jones one is a very interesting one because it feels like we've got a good combination with this offensive line, especially coming out. We looked at, you know, Max Crosby and mm-hmm. how he played, even watching back the tape, right? The bears kind of nullified his game for the most part in that game. And you would think that that would carry over or hope that that would carry over coming in here to the chargers. Is this the week with Tyson Bajan that even if Braxton Jones is healthy, that you want to throw him out there knowing that your first matchup is either Bosa or Mac and neither <laughs> good yeah no I mean it's it's certainly if you had one game record to prepare for last week you got two now and we know that Khalil Mack or you know Rex Havoc especially against younger quarterbacks he's been a tremendous force for them he's you know got one of the highest sack totals right now in the NFL like he's He's still that dude. That is a little um, skewed, though. He killed Aiden O'Connell for one game and then got one more. But Aiden O'Connell's a rookie, so then this we take you have to take some of those things into account about okay, are there rookie tendencies? The guy's been in the league since 2014. Are there rookie tendencies that he's able to spot and yeah. in you know mitigate and, and yeah. capitalize on? Um, that's one thing I'd be worried about because even with like all of the good things we saw from Tyson Bajant, you still saw a very limited effect from him in a deep passing game like there weren't a lot of throws over 10 air yards now 
it's your chance because we know that this Chargers offense has given up some deep shots, but like, will they do that? Will it look the same with this offense versus what the Kansas City Chiefs were able to bring last week? I think you have to, you know, put that into perspective of who the quarterback is for the other team during their last loss versus what it's going to look like this week with Tyson Bajan. I still think there's a lot of unknown here about the capabilities of Bajan in this offense. Um, it's certainly a great story at this point, but we get to get another week more than likely uh, to see him in that role and to see kind of what he can do to take a step forward from a very vanilla, but a strong uh, performance from him last week. It wasn't that they were asking him to do to make all of these insane throws and, and, you know, to go deep, to, you know, be behind the chains and have to get the team back into, you know, into the black. Like he did a good job at doing what was asked of him. Now what happens if they do get into a third and long situation because of penalties or whatnot, or, um, you know, if, if plays get plays go the wrong direction. So yeah. curious to see what they decide to do there with him. Um, but it's, you know, they certainly have their work cut out for them. I know the chargers are a two and four team. Their record doesn't suggest that this is a team that is going to run through and get to the playoffs at this point. But we've also seen this from them before where they look like a team that's either played down to their competition or just flat out been bad, uh, and somehow still end up as a wild card team. Yeah. The, the, the chargers is such a weird team to me. Like it, they feel like, I don't know if you got a chance to watch the Bulls last night, but they feel like oh the Bulls God. where you go, there's a lot of, there should be more talent on this team. Why are they getting beat by 20? Like that is the exact feeling I get with the Chargers. When I see Herbert, yeah. when I see Allen, when I analogy. see Eckler, and it's just like they 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 underperform. But of course, right, the Chicago Bears for many teams are the get right game. And mm -hmm. uh, hopefully that's not what we see here. I do have a, a concern here, though. You mentioned Darnell right a little bit, right? Like what is where is Flus's level of concern with this? Because it seems like he's just like, yeah, people play hurt. He's going to be fine. He's going to go out there and do what he has to do. But we're going to keep an eye on him. But it doesn't seem like there's really any we're going to swap somebody in or out for Darnell right at this point. Yeah, I mean, last week he was, you know, he wasn't a full participant participant in practice last week. And we had this conversation of, OK, what's going to happen with Darnell Wright? We see he's a full participant on Friday and it's not an issue. Or he's, he was full, but he was listed as questionable. And they yeah. and even flew said, like, I expect him to play. And he did. But, you know, there's a toe injury now. We won't know how severe that toe injury is until we hear from Eberflus on Friday and get to see how everybody is classified and if he carries an injury designation. I would imagine it's going to be the same thing as it was last week, that if he you know, can practice in some capacity this week, he'll be listed as questionable. Um, but I... I just, I don't feel like, I feel like if it was more serious, they would have probably not gone out and given as much ambiguity on that because, you know, there's just like, you've got to get somebody else ready in that position. Now it's, it's not unlike this coaching staff to hold these injuries close to the vest, especially one that has to do with the offensive line. Cause he's not yeah. going to talk about the combination. He's not going to talk about like who he anticipates playing right tackle if Darnell Wright can't go. But I just think the natural thought there is, if Braxton Jones can come back, you wouldn't have put him back on the path towards practice where he was a full participant yesterday if he wasn't ready to go from the neck injury. I just think that that would have been something um, that they probably would have wanted to take in, you know, a little longer to get him yeah. back up to speed. No, yeah. And I, I, for me, right, when looking at uh, just I, I saw so much from the line, but the one thing I kept noticing with Darnell Wright last week was like, 
it was almost like he was protecting himself at times. He was protecting, you know, the shoulder at times. And, you know, we'll see what it, what that ends up being. Toe is, I mean, listen, you need your feet. Who, yeah, who knows where that came from, too. And I'll correct myself. Uh, Braxton Jones was limited yesterday, but that was his first day back. So on Thursday, yeah. we'll get a chance to see. Like, if he goes limited to full and then full, he's playing this weekend. He's going to play, um, yeah. But I even would imagine if he goes limited all week, they can still look at that and say, okay, Saturday, test it out, see how he feels, and then activate him. Yeah, I, I really want to see, you know, kind of, I, I want to see him be able to finish out this season. Braxton Jones, I'm speaking mm-hmm. on because, right, like I came into this season with so many of the exact same question marks, and he's going to get tested on that coming into this week. Two yeah. of the best bull rushers in the NFL. We've literally watched Khalil Mack throw human beings out of the way. So, uh, you know, for me, I'm, I'm, Really intrigued to see how he's going to adjust. He he's talked about the issues that he's had. He's talked about, you know, I know I got to get my hands in closer. And we heard that a ton during training camp and the season started and we didn't see it as much. So hopefully he'll be able to come back out there and uh and, and be able to get the job done. Khalid Kareem also coming back. I don't know if we had brought him up as well, but I mean that's kind of just a depth piece move at this point. And uh you talked about Roshan a little bit with the uh with the running back situation. If Roshan is cleared. Do you expect Deontay Foreman to still be RB1 heading into this week? Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's something like, you know, they've shown that they want to ride the hot hand here that, you know, even in games previously where you thought, okay, Roshan Johnson's been rolling. Gosh, he's got like snaps that would reflect RB1 numbers. They'll still go to Khalil Herbert or they'll still, um, you know, the splits will reflect uh, Roshan Johnson still in a backup role. So I would imagine that, They'll want to work him in, um, you know, if he can get cleared. I mean, he's back at practice. If he's in concussion protocol still, that means that he's not, you know, there's no contact allowed. But he, you know, watching him out there yesterday, he looked he looked fine. Like, no no signs of anything. And, I mean, they, they wouldn't have him out there if he wasn't doing, you know, if he wasn't able to practice. Yeah. But I – this speaks to some stuff that can happen down the road too. Like whenever Khalil Herbert comes back, like how are they, you know, how, if these next two games go as well as it did against the Raiders for this run game, are they going to have a decision to make about how many backs they keep up? Who has what role against the Carolina Panthers when Herbert's able to come back from, from the, uh, the ankle injury? Like that's, that's something they really keep an eye on because, it's a good problem to have all of these running backs, but yeah. at some point you got to figure out like how you're going to use all three of them. And it's just, it would be really weird to like put Deontay Foreman in that category now, like where he's like inactive again because of what happened, you know, be, just because of a numbers game more or less, like in a couple of weeks. Yeah. It, it's, it's got to be to me. Like I think Roshan of course is the long-term answer. The mm-hmm. real question is when do they, try to make that switch when do they try to make that right maybe this isn't a week to do it he's coming off concussion protocol uh you've got a defense that feels like they could be a pretty elite defense as well so uh you know that we'll we'll kind of see what that's going to end up being uh Whenever we get an opportunity here, we got Chris Rim getting ready to join us here as we get ready to break down the uh, Chargers versus Bears game and get our eye on the enemy. But we do want to let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by the Hard Rock Casino in Northern Indiana. You can see comedy legend Jay Leno at Hard Rock Live Saturday, November 11th. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Covering the Chargers, our NFL insider here at ESPN, Chris Rim joining us here. Chris, how are you? Good, good. How are y'all doing? 
Very good, man. Very good. Wanted to get uh, kind of a breakdown of what your expectation is of this game here. I mean, like, listen, you have what we would call here a wealth of riches that seems to not be paying off uh, out there in San Diego right now. Would you say that that's a fair assessment when looking at the Chargers right now? Yeah, that's a fair assessment for sure. This team has the names and the players, all the makings of what you would think would be a contending team, at least, you know, in their division or in the conference, but they just haven't been that. So Sunday, I expect the same thing, a close game. It'll go, <laughs> it'll go somehow to go down to the wire and chargers might come out on top. They might not. Yeah. And you've got a quarterback like the bears dealing with an injury to his throwing hand. And certainly that's, you know, something Justin Herbert's able to play through right now with the fractured uh, left finger. But the numbers would reflect somebody who's kind of been struggling through that. He threw six touchdowns, no interceptions, up until the point he injured his finger, and now four touchdowns, four interceptions in the last three games. Like, what's the crux of that? Is it just like the – is it something from like an operation standpoint with his finger? Or what's he saying about why those numbers have reflected such a different performance for him the last couple of weeks? Yeah, well, the, the injury actually isn't even on his throwing hand. It's on his non-throwing left hand. And he, he said, you know, the biggest issue is, is with him gripping the football and that it, it, he tried to downplay it, that it hasn't much had impact on the game. But he said he's always in pain. And mm. the, only, the only indication we've gotten that, that it's giving him an issue from what he says is just when he said that he's in pain. But I think watching the games, at least you can see – it, at least from my perspective, it looks like he's thinking about it more, maybe. Um, and, you know, when he falls or when he's about to get sacked um, or, or when pressure's coming, he's been holding on to the ball a lot longer. I think he's had, according to Next Gen Stats, he's had like the second most time to throw um, amongst quarterbacks with 100 drops, but he has the, you know, like a supremely high pressure rate compared to the others, which is in part because of the offensive line, but in part because of, you know, how long he's holding the ball. But there's also when Justin had that injury, it, it kind of coincided with they lost their starting center, Corey Lindsley, and they lost Mike Williams. So it's kind of like this whole storm happening at the same time. And, you know, now Quentin Johnson's in there. So I think for Justin, it's just, you know, I think he's thinking about it. I, I, he's, he's not saying that, but, it, you know, from watching the games, it, it looks that way. And then he just like he, he's missed throws, you know, uncharacteristic. He doesn't usually miss. Like he's missed Keenan Allen a few times over the past two games. So I think it's having an impact on him, but he's not he's not saying that, at least publicly. When you look at uh, the situation defensively right now, right? It seems like it seems like you guys the, the Chargers have been doing the flip-flop game. When the offense looks elite, the defense is playing down. When the defense looks elite, the offense is playing down. When you see though those dogs that you have on the defensive side, how do you expect them to come out and try to attack Tyson Bajan, a young quarterback who's, you know, only in his second NFL start? Do you think this would be a ears pin back kind of approach where they're playing up close, trying to take away the deep shots or trying to take away the up close shots, I should say, the short passing game? Or do you think that they'll play back a little bit? Yeah, well, I was actually talking to some guys in the locker room about this this Sunday because the last time they played a rookie quarterback you know Khalil Mack had six sacks <laughs> and uh it got uh, ugly <laughs> yeah a lot of the but a lot of the guys um are a lot of the guys especially the the players on the defensive line and and they're really excited about this game because last week's game for those those guys that play on the line it was essentially seven on seven because mm -hmm. as soon as, you know as soon as the you know Mahomes drops back he's getting the ball out 
it was almost every 424 yards. So th- those guys, you know, almost didn't really have a shot at, at getting it to him at all or really, you know, getting any tackles or anything like that versus, you know, Chicago is a team that, you know, runs the ball a lot. And they'll have, you know, those interior linemen especially will feel more a part of this game versus feeling like as soon as they begin their rush, the ball is already out. So I think they're very excited about that. You know, whether or not they have a six, Khalil Mack has a six set game. I don't, I don't, I don't expect let's that. Hope let's <laughs> uh, let's keep him to a modest three. You know what I mean? And three, I'll, I'll accept that. <laughs> so what's been the reason though, those five other games that Khalil Mack has played in this season, only one sack, of course, playing against a rookie quarterback, you can do different things that he's not expecting and that, they probably don't have the capabilities of stopping when somebody's back there holding on to the ball too long. But the other games, he's kind of been nullified a little bit. And, of course, having Joey Bosa on the other end, I'm sure, plays into that. But what are what are coaches saying? What's Brandon Staley saying for why the production seems to drop off, but he's obviously still pressuring the quarterback and affecting the quarterback without those numbers attached to his name? Yeah, Brandon, after that uh, Raiders game, Brandon mentioned that because he obviously coached Khalil in in Chicago when he was there. And he mentioned, you know, Khalil always says this thing to me of, you know, how he's, he taught me things in Chicago about pass rushers being close. And and I knew he was close. And today it opened up. It it was strange because, you know, from the numbers, the first three weeks of the season, Khalil Max, I think his pass rush win rate, um, you know, according to True Media was was zero, zero percent. He had a zero percent pass rush win, win rate. And, you know, that just doesn't make any sense. And, you know, when, you talked to him, he had mentioned the through those first three weeks. Well, to be clear, when you ask him why he struggled in the first three weeks, he kind of laughs and says, I'm not telling you. I don't, I don't want anyone to know what the difference is. Go look at the film and you'll see what's happening. And essentially what he's saying is they're, they, they stopped chipping him as much as like chip block him as much as they were chipping him. They stopped double teaming him. In the Raiders game, at least the, the numbers show that. I think he was double teamed only five times and against Minnesota, I think it was something like 10 or 12. So, you know, with, you know, Joey Bosa on the other side and, and the Chargers second round, Ricky Tooley, um, who's been been really effective. I think that's been freeing up some things for Khalil. Um, and then he had a sack, you know, after that Raiders game, he had a sack against the Cowboys early. And then last week was his first game without one in, in, in two weeks. So I think it has to do with some of the double teams and some of the chip blocking. And then I think, honestly, maybe the first first three weeks, he was just, you know, getting into it. What's the situation like out there right now? I mean, clearly underachieving, but when you look at the uh, a lot of the different articles that are being written here, it seems like Brandon Staley is on the hot seat uh, with this slow start to the season. And, you know, a, a team that struggled to find consistency. Does it feel like we could be heading towards a coaching change if the at the end of the year if things don't change, even with, like you said, right, at, at some point, you can't, you know, keep guys healthy. It's football. Guys are going to get hurt, and they've lost a lot of key pieces. Yeah, it, it certainly feels that way. That I, I think an, an in-season change seems unlikely just based on the, this ownership group and the way they've handled coaching coaches in the past. They haven't fired um, a coach in, I think, you know, a few decades in season. So I, I, I don't really see that happening, but end of the season, I think is possible. Again, they strung off a bunch of wins at the end of last year. So if something like that could happen and, you know, fortunes could change, you know, stuff changes so quickly in the NFL. I could, I could potentially see that happening, but I mean, I don't get the sense yet that, that, you know, Brandon Staley has lost the locker room or, or anything of that sorts. And when you, he was asked about, if he was concerned about his job on Monday, 
And he, he did say, you know, I, I'll think about that after 17 games, not after six. So, and he's admitted he hasn't done a good enough job. And at the end of the day, it, it you know, it's partly on him, but it isn't, it isn't all all him at the end of the day. And I think, you know, but, but yeah, he's three seasons in, you have a team with a bunch of names and, you know, after blowing a playoff, historic playoff meltdown, like they did last season, it's hard to justify keeping him to, I think this fan base. It just, it just feels like, right. Like even Austin Eckler the other day, you know, like when, when asked, does he have faith in Brandon Staley? He goes, well, we got no other choice. And no other choice. Didn't feel like, you know, no, I'm riding with him because he's the only option we got. It felt like, Listen, if it was me and I was the GM, we got no other choice. You know what I mean? <laughs> to be to be fair to Austin with that question, I was the one who asked the question. And the clip, the clip cut off. Like he did clear it up after he did say, like, you know, I'm he said something like, I'm riding with him and I have faith with him. But that answer was telling, I think, to everyone because he paused. And then it was it was almost as if he realized how that sounded. And then yeah. The back half of his quote was, "We we still have faith in Brandon. We we you know we got we faith in everything. So, yeah. What about his status? We know that the last couple of games he's coming off that ankle injury. He's not been the same player since returning. But is there a breakout game in the future? Has he been close? I know like he can be so effective in the run and pass game. The guy had 107 catches last year for a running back. So how does he get back to that form?" from what we saw pre-injury. Yeah, I think the I think the Chargers, you know, and Kellen Moore, I would expect this week for them to do more design things for him. You know, he had, he had one catch last week and that I, that was a uh, kind of surprising. You know, he, he like you said he had 107 catches last year. Granted, you know, Keenan and Mike both missed some some time, but you know, the, he's a he's a player who's, you know, going to you know, he was effective in the passing game and, and the running game, of course. So I, I don't know if I, I, I think Austin, it, it's only a matter of time with good players like Khalil Mack, for example, you know, it's only a matter of time before he breaks off a good game. It might be Sunday. It might be next, next Monday against the Jets. So I, yeah, I think it's a matter of time. I can't predict like, Oh, he'll have, you know, 200 yards from scrimmage on Sunday, but I think it, it, it's his, it'll happen eventually. And with Austin too, I think, like you said, with that video, it's, it's, it's really, I think it's really been a tough year for him. You know, he, he requested a trade ahead of the season. He didn't, that didn't, that never materialized. Then he got a new deal with incentives, you know, 1.75 million incentives, yeah. but then he got hurt. So he's probably not going to hit any of those incentives. So he's, you know, essentially playing on the same deal. It's in the last year, um, you know, he, his numbers are down this year. So when he re-ups for a contract in the summer, you know, what, how could that look? So, I think he's motivated to to make sure that he performs well. So, and I think the Chargers would be smart to to use him, you know, in 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 the passing game, and and there'll be a better offense with that. And I think they will. Yeah, it just is. It seems like it, it almost seems like he's gotten discouraged. Like right, like you said, when the injury came in. I mean, like he's still getting the same amount of attempts, but the yards per carry have just plummeted. Now, granted, right, you've played in those two games, the Cowboys and the Chiefs, makes a big difference, right? A couple of defenses, they can definitely get after you. But with Austin Eckler, I mean, like, he feels like he's the key to unlocking this Chargers offense, as he always is, right, and often is. But he just feels like, okay, like, if we can get him going, then we can start to get a little bit of consistency because he was the one piece to me that, I mean, injury-wise, of course, you you know when Keenan Allen's out there, he's elite. But 
he's not always out there. Austin Eckler was somebody that you could rely on last season. Yeah, for sure. And you, he's, he's kind of, you know, that security blanket. You just dump, you know, Herbert can dump the ball off to him and he could take it for, you know, 10, 15 yards. And, you know, you, you barely even, you know, it hurts the defense significantly. And, and yeah, so he's, I think his, his place in this offense, especially when you have, you know, you're, you're playing with a backup center, a quarterback's playing with a fractured finger, your number two receiver is out for the year. Austin has to play a major role in this offense if they want to get it back together. Yeah, they've always had a lot of not so great luck in the injury front, especially the last couple of years. And I think I saw today Mike Williams, like he should be ready for training camp next year coming off the ACL injury. So you just hope at some point for a team that always comes in with so much potential. Maybe this is their year in the AFC West. Maybe they'll catch the Chiefs. It's always uh, reality sinks in pretty quick uh, out in Los Angeles. Uh, I mean, two and a two and four team. The Bears are two and five. Very similar records here for a Sunday night matchup. I think most we're thinking would have gotten flexed out of this time spot. But now there's a lot of intrigue because you have a quarterback who's still a relative unknown in Tyson Bajan, and you have Justin Herbert one of the more talented quarterbacks in the league, highest paid player in franchise history, you know, squaring up here to see who can get the third win in the season. Your biggest takeaway from some of the close losses that they've had. I mean, you go back to that Miami game and the defense is getting whipped up and down the field, but they were right there offensively. Are there any common themes that you can see from why this Chargers team has come up so short in these losses, but also the win, two wins that they have are by a touchdown, more or less. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a tough question. I think, I think it's hard to make sense of some of these games and, and how they are in these spots. Like against the Raiders, offense, first half, they look like, you know, world beaters. I think 20, 24-7, right? you like, you know, maybe this is the game where, you know, I'll have my, my story and takeaways, you know, they'll be done at halftime. I know yeah. what I'm going to do. Next thing you know, it's, you know, 24-17. The quarterback has a fractured left finger, and it's third and 10 on their own, you know, nine-yard line or something like that it was. And, you know, Herbert found Joshua Palmer for a pass to put the game away. But it's, it's stuff like that where it's, it's really hard for me to make sense of how they're in these spots a lot of the times. But it comes down to some of, you know, Brandon Staley really likes to go for it on fourth down. Sometimes they, they go for it in these and, – and to be honest, I – I don't dislike necessarily him him going for it on fourth down. Just sometimes they don't execute it correctly. And then that ends up hurting them, you know, giving teams better field position or they could have had three points when you look back at it. Then it's also, you know, in the fourth quarters of these games this season, you know, when, when they've needed to score, when, you know, Herbert's taken, Herbert's had an opportunity to, you know, and the offense has had an opportunity to, I think, put these games away each time. And they just haven't been able to do it. Um, you know, there's a stat about, you know, Herbert, Justin Herbert in the fourth quarter of one score games, you know, he's, he has the most interceptions in those situations. And I think that has something to do with the pressure. Um, and, and uh, well, that's that with context. He's, he's played 45 games and Derek Carr has also played 45 games. And I think Herbert has 13 interceptions and Derek has eight for like the context there. And I think some of that has to do with pressure, um, you know, him, him getting pressured by the, you know, defensive line, like, like we saw against the Cowboys. So a long way to answer your question, it's hard to make sense of how they're getting in these situations, but it, it has a lot to do with, you know, play calling and then how they perform, you know, when they need the points most basically. 
Yeah, hearing that stat doesn't surprise me at all. I said, you know, after watching them the first couple of years, I was like, they went out and they found more athletic Phillip Rivers. Like, that's actually impressive to see them just kind of pass the torch on because I feel like Justin Herbert is that guy that, like, you know, he can get you in those big moments and, and he can drive you down the field. But how many times have we seen him, you know, like, not be able to get the job done, not be able to finish things off. I mean, that playoff game last season, or uh, yeah, last year versus the Jaguars. I mean, like my favorite video from all of that is the guy that went to sleep in like the second quarter because he thought his bet wasn't going to cash. And his friends wake him up and was like, you won, bro. Like like that. that is the epitome right now of, of what Justin Herbert's uh, beginning of his career has been. Doesn't mean that'll be what he is forever. Uh, what's your thoughts on this game? What's your expectation on this game how do you think this game is going to finish out? Yeah, I think if I had to, if I had to predict how this game would finish out, I would probably say someone wins by three points. It, <laughs> it'll, I just say it'll end 20, 24, 21, 20. So you think it's that close? You think the, the gap between the Bears and the Chargers is that close right now that it's a pick em game, basically? I, the thing is, I don't. But but I know I don't I, on paper like if we were if we were to play Madden right and you got the Bears and I got the, the Chargers I think that I would beat you by like you know seventeen points probably yeah. I, I would say that but just the the way they played and the injuries and you know we we know I, I think I have a sense of, of what this team is right you know that they're they haven't gotten to a point yet this year where I think the best teams in the league play complementary football right. Your defense gets to stop. Your offense scores points. That's how I think. That's how a game becomes a, a, a twenty-one to seven game versus like right. a ten to seven game. But the issue with the Chargers this year is that when their offense is playing well, their defense is not, <laughs> and vice versa. So I guess the, the Chiefs first half offense is playing really well. You know, scoring bunch. Second half defense locks in. Offense can't do anything. So I expect the same story on Sunday. Uh, maybe they'll prove me wrong. So if I had to, if I had to guess, I think I would take the Chargers, and I would take them twenty to seventeen because they're at home. But it could go either way. <laughs> hey, I feel you. I feel you. Listen, that's no. how I feel about my Bears team every week. <laughs> this, the line on this game, like when they opened up as eight and a half point favorites, I, I mean, I don't know. I thought that was a little high. I thought that, I mean, they're spotting them because they're at home, but also they just played the Chiefs, so are they factoring that in? It was, I expected that to be a far closer line considering the records of both teams, how both teams have lost. So, I mean, maybe Vegas knows something that we don't, but I looked at, there's a stat that the Bears have actually, they're 2-0 and in their last two primetime games, one of which was this year on Thursday Night Football, the other was the uh, Patriots game that they won last October, so literally a year ago, but um who knows? Maybe the primetime magic. I mean, I, I'm still shocked that this game is in primetime and it didn't get flexed out. But now you have two massive audiences between the L.A. market and the Chicago market that get to watch the Tyson Bajant and uh, Justin Herbert duel. That's got to be the only reason, right? Like It's got to just be because it's L.A. Chicago. <laughs> I like, think I that has a lot there. to do with it. Yeah, I think so, too. I, I literally was sitting there looking at it. And I was like, oh, we're playing this at noon. Like this, there's no way we're playing at 715, which listen for the post post game show. I'm going to be on the radio at 2 a.m. Basically <laughs> breaking down Tyson Beja versus uh, Khalil Mack. I'm not super excited to see where that's going to end up being. But I do think here's the one thing I will say about the Bears. I, I think that, um, you know, they they've kind of taken the underdog mentality with this. And so I like the fact that 
it seems like everybody else is playing on that. Hey, we're going to win this for Tyson because he's coming in and trying to get this all done, you know, together. Let's do this all together. So good to see the Bears kind of do that. Chris, we appreciate you for pulling up and joining the show today. Uh, Courtney, as always, we know you got to run to practice. So we're going to let you get up out of here for everybody out there listening. Appreciate you guys for tuning in. Hit that like button, subscribe to the page and leave that five star review. Y'all know what to do. Y'all stay safe out there, Chicago. Bear down. Peace.